Hunting is not easy. It never has been. It takes dedication, motivation, a lot of patience, and quality gear. If you manage a food plot, put up stands, or need just one more game camera, we can help at MidwayUSA.com. We opened our doors in 1977 and continue to put customers first by offering super fast, same day shipping. For just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass fed, grass finished beef, organic free range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, I have the pleasure to sit down with Kristen Redderath. We get into her start hunting, raising a family hunting and in the outdoors, and her brand, Gathering Health. Enjoy the episode. We are on with Kristen Redderath. Kristen, good evening, and thank you for taking time away from the family and your evening. Sit down with me and talk. Absolutely. And we'll get right into it. Uh, why don't you give us a little intro and background and we'll jump into your hunting outdoor and uh, family life there. Perfect. Well, thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to chat with you. So I'm Kristen Redrath. I am kind of the face, I guess, behind Gathering Health um, on gatheringhealth.com and um, Gathering Health on Instagram. Um, I'm a wife and a mom of three kids. I have a nine-year-old Cooper, a six-year-old Callie and a three-and-a-half-year-old Kaisley. And my husband Brady and I live in central South Dakota, right on the Missouri River. So we're super blessed to live in a great state and a great area to hunt. Um, but I was born and raised in North Dakota. I grew up in a small town just outside of Grand Forks, which is so cold, but home of some of the best hockey in the on the planet and just a really good family oriented place to be raised as well. 
but um, we moved here about six years ago when Brady was relocated for his job. And ever since then, we've just loved living in South Dakota. And although we're in the middle of nowhere, we just really love the slow pace and the peace that comes from being able to hunt and fish um, right where we're at. So I grew up playing... Yeah, it is the life. I mean, you don't really realize it is the life until you're in it and, you know, you're looking at the sunsets over the Missouri River. And you, sometimes it's, I told Brady one day after turkey hunting, I, I captured this unbelievable sunset over the river of the train bridge. And, you know, there's some people would pay big money for that, you know, those views. And there's so many, there's a lot of people who take those things for granted. So I'm just thankful that I get to enjoy that. So um, I grew up playing sports, mainly basketball, softball, and volleyball. And my family and I went to the lake every the weekend with my grandparents. So I spent most of my time outdoors pursuing sports, um, playing volleyball in the backyard with my friends and water sports in Minnesota and whatnot. Um, So I was an athlete. But I did not have very great luck with um, my joints. And by the time I was a senior, I broke my leg, blew out both of my knees and required extensive reconstruction. So it's kind of crazy. But I had new two knee surgeries within nine months and spent most of my time in high school rehabbing and doing sports acceleration, trying to get back onto the volleyball court. So um that's kind of just what my identity was for quite a long time. But I went to college, played volleyball on a scholarship. And at the end of the first season, I was having a really hard time walking. Um, my knees were just kind of shot. They didn't, don't have much cartilage left. And I just didn't feel like I wanted to do steroid injections for the rest of my life. So yeah, so I ended up um, transferring schools. um, transition from playing volleyball to coaching high school volleyball in the new um, town that I was living in, in North Dakota. And shortly after that met Brady. Um, We got married in 2006 and um, had a career teaching, um, got my master's degree and went on to teach for a while. And then um, we started having kids. So, but before we had kids, Brady, you know, to kind of get into the whole hunting and how that came about. Um, when I met Brady, like the first, the, I had zero experience at hunting, but it was very apparent when I met him that this is what his life was. Like everything, that's all he talked about. That's all he wanted to do. Our first date, like we went and um, played tennis. He took me golfing and then we played tennis the next day. And I beat him at tennis and he didn't really enjoy that very much. So <laughs> shortly, shortly after that, he's like, oh, you know, maybe we should go shoot, shoot my bow. You can watch me shoot my bow. And I'm like, okay, I have no idea. Like I, my dad didn't hunt growing up. He actually started hunting after, um, after I graduated from high school. He like hunted for a couple years. And um, shortly after Brady and I started dating, I made him a meal with venison because I was a broke college kid. Right. And my dad had brought me some venison and Brady always says, Oh, that's when I was hooked. I knew you could cook for me and you were cooking wild game. (laughs) I I mean, at that point it wasn't really like the correlation, but he appreciated it. But 
So to spend time with him, I'm like, well, well, maybe I should learn how to shoot a bow, right? Like I might as well learn how to shoot a bow. So he was jacked and took me to Ganner Mountain at the time. Got me complete. He bought me a bow. He bought me all the camo, like complete setup to get going with bow hunting. And I was like floored. Like it started as me just wanting to, you know, hang out and spend time with him. But you know, the more we started scouting and following deer and you know checking trail cams together, I realized this is really fun. Like this is a lot of fun. I get to spend time with him. I get to be in the outdoors and we just got to experience it together. So that's how it started. Um, took me a couple of years to really, you know, get good at it or not even good at it, but just get confident enough in, you know, my archery ability to, to take a, a deer, shot my first deer with my bow. And then I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should learn how to how to shoot guns. And so that came later because he was really obsessed with that. Um, but throughout the whole thing, you know, it was just kind of a slow process of, of getting me more and more involved and, um, just being comfortable with it because it wasn't something that I had done my whole life. I was 21 when I started hunting. So, that that's kind of a, you know, it's different when you're born and raised doing it and it's, that's what you know, but I didn't know anything about it. So I had to learn a lot. I had to listen to him a lot. And I have a very, um, like, I want to know everything. Like I, if he is telling me to do something, I want to know why. And I think part of that drives him insane because he, he just, Oh, he, he loves it. To, he loves it though. He, maybe sometimes, but most of the time he's like, just do it, Kristen. And I'm like, okay, but why? Like, I want to know why. <laughs> so I'm constantly still to this day, um, asking him questions, but I can honestly say that everything I know about hunting minus turkey hunting, cause I taught myself how to do that. Everything I know, I learned from him or from talking to his friends or from Luke. Like I, I, he is the reason that I hunt and you know, how I got into hunting and you know, I'm super, super thankful that he was willing to share it with me because I, I do know some, you know, friends of ours that they just say, no, I don't ever want my wife to go hunting. That's my time with the guys. Right. Forget and that. I think, yeah. Right. Like for us, we have so much fun together and I'm so glad that he was, you know, he viewed it as more time together and something special that we could do. So, and it was a leveler for the tennis match. <laughs> it was a le- exactly. I still can kick his rear end in volleyball. So, I mean, there's always that, but <laughs> we'll have to, it's funny. We'll have to ask yeah. Brady if he's keeping you down a little bit. Yeah, he likes to put me in my place and he can easily do that with multiple things in hunting. That is for sure. But he took me to a tactical shooting school because um, when I decided I wanted to start shooting rifles, he's like, well, I think we should just, you know, take you to a shooting school so you can learn, you know, what MOA is and how to calculate and all of that stuff. And it, at first I was like, um, what? Like (laughs) what? And I got there and I realized, holy cow, this is so conducive to my math brain. Like I love this stuff. Turns out 
I am a decent shot. And he, he couldn't, I think he couldn't believe it. He was like, there's no way like that. She's gonna, she could be better at me than this. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, right? that, but that's, there is proven science that women are better shots than men. I mean, it's, I, it's been proven over and over and over again. It's crazy. I think he likes to deny that a little bit. Yeah, well, <laughs> we all we all do, but I'm just being real about it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So it's funny because every time I shoot a good group or something, like he's he's good. Like I I will give him. He's a rifle man. He loves rifle hunting. He loves his guns. He loves custom rifles, and it is it's hard for me to beat him at that. Like really hard. So. I also love the competition of that part too. Like when we go to the range and um, we're super blessed here to have a thousand yard range that we can go out and shoot steel rams and big elk at, you know, and it can be a competition, right? Like we, we can sit and compete and let our kids hang out and, you know, shoot. There's little, you know, closer ones that they shoot little chickens that tip over and whatnot. But it's fun because we could be doing or we could not be doing that at all together as a family. And, you know, the fact that he wanted to get me involved in the very first place is something I'm super thankful for. So, and that's awesome yeah. right after 12, 13 years of marriage to be able to still have those, those fun times, that competitive time, you know, maybe talk a little mess to each other. That's awesome. Yeah, it is. And he, he takes it pretty well. I mean, honestly, I think he's, he, I think he's proud, you know, to say that I can stand my own and, you know, but I think he also likes to make sure he can always teach me something. Well, he's a stud <laughs> on the mountain. I, I'm, he's a stud on the mountain. The guy you know, is laying he it is, down. He is a beast, um, like physically, as far as like, um, his heart rate's super low. His aerobic capacity is super high. Like he can go and go and go and go. Whereas I don't have like my, I'm completely opposite. So I have a, um, an aortic stenosis. So like the aerobic capacity on the mountain is super hard for me. I suck air. Like he's feels, it feels like he's barely moving and I'm sitting over here, you know, <laughs> dude, slow down. But he just, it's like he was just made to do it. and. I just love it when those he and Luke get to go hunting and they come back with all these stories. And the first, the first day he's throwing up because you know, about the altitude thing, cause we're at such low elevations and Luke is giving him grief. So <laughs> who's this Luke just, guy? I keep hearing I about know, this right? Luke guy. <laughs> yeah. He is a legend. He's pretty fun. Right. A stud of oh. a stud of an elk hunter, stud of a hunter, but elk, I mean, this guy is just, yeah, next next level. Yes, very much so. And he I mean, he probably won't I don't did he talk about antelope much? Not much, no. We were he started talking on elk and, and that was all she wrote. And then, you know, yeah. the, we when we did the podcast, he uh at the end of the podcast mentioned, Oh yeah, African whitetail. So I said, Man, we're getting on for another one. So so he owes me a, a second episode, which I'm sure will parlay into a third. I think he's gonna be our our elk expert here. I mean that guy yeah. has a wealth of knowledge and study and just been learning over all those years. It's amazing. It is. And you know, it was so cool this year. Um so obviously he was he was who taught Brady how to elk hunt and 
Luke doesn't really do a ton of whitetail hunting and that's Brady's wheelhouse, right? That's what he's always done. So it was super neat to have Luke come here this year and for the two of them to get to hunt whitetail and just to see the look on his face when he takes a very nice South Dakota whitetail. I mean, he, he was here for less than 36 hours. He rolled in. They go out. Brady had got the spot picked out. They were, they called me that morning and I had, I was home with the kids and I wanted to go out so bad. And he's like, it's no problem. We, we got it taken care of already. I'm like, oh my word, that didn't take long. So those two certainly don't mess around. That's for sure. There should be, def- there should be something against having both those guys on the same mountainside together. I know it's pretty, it's pretty funny, especially when there's the gear questions come up and we, um, my, my antelope trip this year out to Wyoming, the whole second half of the trip, those two were stressing about their gear because they were going to grizzly country. And I'm just sitting here like, Oh my goodness, look at these two. They're just laying everything out. They're talking about like, you could just tell they were both stressed out just to go hunting. Right. Cause they were making sure wanted to make sure everything was perfect. And they get home and I think they were so emotionally just whipped. Is that is that stress or is that the little boy in all of us when we start packing for the mountain? Probably both, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> probably both. Because I'll yeah. pack and repack and pack again three, four, five, six times before a trip and you just can't help it. Yeah. They, I mean, they had everything laid out on the table and I had taken care of like most of their meal stuff for them. So I dehydrated a bunch of meals for them for the mountain and they were just like laying everything out. Do we have enough of this? What, you know, so it's just been really fun to see the progression of, you know, Brady kind of being taken under his, his wing for elk hunting. And then to see, you know, the, the tables turn a little bit this year and for them both just to get to share their passion that's with awesome. each other yeah. has been so cool. That, so. that camaraderie is, is next level. That's yeah, that's good stuff for sure. Yeah. So let's, uh, we talked about hubs and yours. So let's talk about the kids. We got a three, six and nine. How you guys nailed this, uh, this three thing is beyond me. Um, right. You got what, what are you in 12 years of marriage? So you yeah, three, six, nine, and twelve. That's uh, yeah. That sounds like that's pretty calculated. But why don't we talk about the kiddos? Because <laughs> they're all involved in shooting sports, um, which yeah. is absolutely wonderful um, to see that going down. So why don't you give us a little bit on on the kids and their ages and how they're taken to the outdoors with you? Yeah. So I mean, we live in an area where we don't have any family. Like we don't have any family here. So our closest relative is three and a half hours. So, um, when we want to go to the range, when we want to go hunting and we don't have anybody to help with the kids, they just come with. And we have just decided that we want them to like, especially the older ones, you know, the younger ones, she's so funny, but she can't quite sit still, you know, as much as we would like. But, um, Cooper has been, Let's see the past three years he's been tagging along and has been with Brady when he's shot all of his deer. So he's, he has just had this love for hunting just like Brady and 
he just has tagged along. And this year he was able to get a, a South Dakota mentor tag where essentially, you know, he, it, there's no, they raised the, the limit or lowered the limit, I guess, to where it used to be 12. And this year they just decided that if a parent thinks their kid is ready before that, then they take the responsibility to mentor and they're trying to get more kids involved in hunting. So it's a great, great program. And we were super fortunate that, you know, he was right at the perfect stage because he had been shooting my 6.5 Creed more. He'd been shooting my 260. Like he he loves to shoot. He loves to be out there with his dad and with us at the range. And so it was just really fun. So this fall, no, last fall, he, he brought the the video camera. Um, so in 2017, he was actually with me. We hiked in a mile and a half, um, to go after antelope and Brady kept the two girls in the truck. And so if you're not familiar with South Dakota, it's like wide open prairie everywhere. And so you can't, you can't just like, there's no mountains. So (laughs) it's not like you're, you know, parking somewhere you can go hike up the mountain or whatever. It's just all flat and open. So you have to hike a long ways. You're playing with rolling hills and antelope are usually like wide open, right in the wide open. So we were belly crawling and he's with me and I end up shooting this antelope and the little stinker got the whole thing on video camera. And he, the look on his face was so, so priceless. Like he, he's just hooked. And so this year he got to get an antlerless deer tag and an antlerless antelope tag. And he filled both of those. And yeah, there's nothing more satisfying to me. Like I told Birdie, I said, you know, it it was great when I shot my first animal, but I think this far surpasses that because it just, it's a whole different feeling of proud when your child is so excited about something to see the look on his face and to see him, to see him shoot and to be cool and calm and collected. I'm like, dude, like I wasn't even like that. I was shaking like a stinking leaf when I, you know, when I (laughs) shot my first one, it was like, it was no big deal. It was like, he was born for it. So yeah, it's so much fun. So then our six-year-old Callie, she has, she wasn't super interested until probably the last year. Cooper was interested at a much earlier age than she is. Um, but this past year, so um, fifth fifth birthday, each of our kids, um, Cooper got a 22 for his fifth birthday. And so um, he is kind of, the, we ended up doing the same thing for Callie. And so she's been shooting... 17 and 22 this year and she really got into it it was so cute to see her take the little can the tiny little camo um 22 to the range and just we have this little target it's like a little cube thing that just she shoots at it and then it bounces around and then she moves and she shoots at it and it bounces around and just to see her do that by herself and to get excited has been super fun as well so they're all, you know, at different stages. Brady's hoping, you know, maybe, maybe she could shoot a deer this year. We'll see. I mean, I wouldn't say she's quite ready yet, but we have a lot of time this summer 
to practice Practice and, you know, just to get her out there and even just coming with, she loves it. So it'll be fun to see, you know, how this year's season plays out. And the little one, she's got to be Kaisley. She's three. She has got to be where everybody else is. And she's just a funny one. She tells everybody that, um, so we don't equate like how much we love someone by like sprinkles or chocolate or anything like that. If you want to tell someone that you really love someone, she says, I love you more than hunting. <laughs> and it is so stinking cute. That's so a big hey, I love you, Casey. And she goes, I love you more than hunting. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's a lot, girlfriend. So, so that's- yeah, she's fun that's a big deal right is is having the kids enjoying the outdoors and and you guys are passing a lot more down than just the hunting right it's an experience there's values that come with it there's there's lessons that come with it and that's something that is atypical today um yeah we'll just call it for what it is right a lot of people are disconnected the most people are disconnected with it and most people would have issues with a three six and nine year old um at a range or out hunting um what's been your experience there and you know how do you guys handle that or is it something that you're not seeing much in in south dakota Well, I will say like South Dakotans are very proud of their hunting heritage. Like it is, um, if you're originally from South Dakota, you, you either hunted, maybe not to the level that we hunt, um, and you know, the passion that we have for hunting, but they are very used to hunting. And so we don't really ever see any controversy really with anybody saying, you know, that we shouldn't be teaching our kids here, but on social media, it's a whole nother ball game. I mean, Kaisley has her own little toy gun that she likes this little rifle and has a little scope on it. And she pretends that she's shooting at the steel targets. And I took a picture of her, put it up on Instagram because it's so cute. She's so proud of her little gun because the gun makes a little noise or whatever. And so she's, She's taken her shots and practicing and whatnot, put it up on Instagram and people freaked out. And it wasn't even, you know, anybody that follows me because anybody that follows me knows that, um, you know, that my kids hunt, but I am proud to tag kids who hunt in my, my Instagram posts, because I think, I think we need more kids who hunt. They are next generation. They are they are the ones that we are trying to preserve this for. And so I, I tag them when I post that. And I, obviously I think people search for that and target it. And, you know, it was a, how dare you let her or teach her that this is what she should be doing, blah, 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 whatever. Like, okay. Would you rather me tell her that she's a princess and shouldn't work for anything in her life? right? Like I'm teaching her that if this is what she wants to do, if this is a passion of hers, then she should go for it. That it's, this isn't just a male dominated sport and that it's something that anybody can do and it enriches your life regardless of whether you're, you're female or you're male or you're three or 65, right? Like, it is just, it's some, it's a sport or it's a lifestyle for everybody. And I just wish that more people would, would see it like that. So thankfully, you know, 
I had so many people, you know, the gal posted it and my tribe of people, they were like, Oh, how dare you? Like, you know, they immediately had my back on Instagram, which was so fun to see too, to be like, you know, lady, you might as well just move along. (laughs) And, And it's funny too, right? Because they don't, they, I think people that, that are looking from the outside in don't realize the lessons, right? The valuable lessons to the kids in, in all the hard work that goes into a hunt, right? It's not just to give me, um, I think a lot of that's missed and it, it doesn't make sense that we're so willing and able to attack someone and, and not really understand it. It is just crazy. Especially if I'm just letting her, I mean, it's not like I'm letting her a three-year-old like take a shot at an animal. Like she's literally sitting, shooting a pretend gun at targets because that's what we were doing. We were practicing, right? We were training because we want every experience in the field to be as to the best of our ability as possible. And we take that very seriously. So, I mean, I think I'm, I'm teaching them more about prepping for for your hunting and living this lifestyle and being confident in your ability so that when you are out there those things aren't even things that you have to think about because it's just ingrained and I mean I remember the first time um the first year I hunted like there was so many things going through my brain like I have to remember to do this and I have to remember to do that I'm hoping by the time that my kids get to that situation, those things aren't even things they think about anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because safety and ethics or muscle trained. memory. Yeah, muscle yes, memory. Yes, it's just, they just know these things. And and then I feel as a mom, you know, and a parent that they, they're safe and, and that they're, you know, going to do things ethically and do, because we've talked about all these things because we've ran through situations with them because they've seen Brady and I and been with Brady and I hunting and shooting and, you know, taking extreme caution and everything we do. So, I mean, I think that's the part of, as a parent that, you know, it's not just, Oh, we're just, you know, it's opening weekend. We're just going to go out and hunt. I haven't shot my gun all year, but we're going to go out and hunt anyways. Right. That's just not how we operate. And hopefully people see that and realize that it's, it's more, there's so much more to it than that. And we're just really thankful that we're able to take part of that. And we want to share it with everybody else, you know? And and there's really nothing better than having the whole family out there enjoying that activity and then you know you get back to the table and can share the meal and everyone understands the story and the work that went into it and yeah Yeah. that's that's awesome yeah in september so callie's birthday is labor day weekend and that's over um bow season and brady had been um after so the weekend before her birthday uh, bow season was open and he went out with Cooper to try on get, to get on this big mule deer that he was, he had spotted. It didn't work out that last, that weekend. And it was her birthday weekend. And we have a camper, kind our camper, um, kind of out where close to where we hunt so that we can just go and stay if we want, or, you know, if we're really tired, just hang out out there, whatever. So he didn't have an opportunity, didn't take the deer the first weekend, came home and he's like, Oh, I just don't know, you know, before rifle season's open, I, I just don't know if I'm going to have another opportunity at that deer. And I said, well, ask Callie, like maybe she wants to go camping for her 
for her birthday and we could all go hunt. What do you know? Kelly's like, yeah, let's go. We'll go spotting. So the girls and I would load up. We would go spotting looking for antelope or deer or whatever and see if we could find something else. And he and Cooper would be out, you know, stalking and they'd call, say, hey, you know, we're headed to this area. And then when they were, when the time was, would come, I would go back and we would have supper and make supper. And we were just, everybody was, it was just a team effort. Everybody was involved and everybody was having fun doing it. And we've just kind of built our whole lifestyle, I guess, around, around that. So That's that awesome. the kids can come and, and be a part of it. So, yeah. I don't know if it gets any better than that. I, you know, I, <laughs> I don't think it does, <laughs> to be honest. I am really excited to where they're all old enough that they can all come, you know, all come along to where it's not like actually on the hunt to where I don't have to stay back because, you know, I, the little ones or anything when, when it's like a no brainer, we're all going and everybody's decked out in camo and you know, it'll be fun. So, yeah. So, a little bit on the outdoor experience as a woman. Um, you started at 21. Um, mm-hmm. so it was, you know, I'm going to say a late introduction to it. Um, a lot of what we see, you know, with like with my wife, it took forever for me to just to get her to get her hunting safety course done and get her license. Um, and I, I have yet to get her in the field after I don't know how many years of hunting and 26 mm-hmm. years together. Um, so give us a little bit on that. Was it something that you were just open to growing up in the outdoors or it was just Brady pushing? You know, it all stemmed from me wanting to hang out with him. So I knew like he's, he was hunting everything in North Dakota. So when I met him, it was like, oh, it's goose season. And then we'll go goose hunting in the morning. He'd come home, take a nap. He'd go bow hunting in the evening and then repeat the process the next day. Right. So I figured out pretty quickly if I wanted to hang out with him, (laughs) I was going to have to either see what he was talking about and try it out. Or I literally would like never see him on the weekends. And I was a college student. He worked full time. So that was kind of our time to, to hang out. So, um, I've always been, I guess, kind of a tomboy, like all my friends, you know, I had some really good girlfriends in high school that played volleyball, but I've always been a thrill seeker and adventurer. Like I love wakeboarding. I love water skiing, grew up on a lake, you know, so it kind of was a natural fit of finding something to do after I couldn't play volleyball anymore. It was, and it was a little healthy competition, right? Like, to be able to compete with him. And in the, in the beginning, like there was no competing, like he was clearly way better at this than, than I was. But as time has gone on, I, I slowly, you know, the first year it was hard cause I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't understand it. I didn't have all the years of experience. And so it was, it was kind of a gut check, I guess, for me, because I had been naturally good at a lot of things in life. And it was something that I'm like, okay, this isn't as easy for me. Like volleyball was easy for me. And so I'm like, okay, I might have to actually try it this one, you know, but 
it was, it was good for me, like so good for me. And it was a really good opportunity. Like I think in marriage and in life in general, for me to let Brady lead and to teach me. And now we joke about it because he still thinks after 12 years, like he always has to be in front of me. I'm like, dude, this is my hunt. Get out of the way. <laughs> like, so when we were hunting this fall, I'm like, are you going to let me like make any decisions or are you like guiding me? Just so we're clear, because I really don't think I need a guide. And so he, he's like, no, it's okay. We'll figure this one out. So this year, I mean, last year he got on my nerves a little bit to the point where I'm like, you just stay in the truck. I'm going to go by myself. So I did. And I shot two deer in one sitting by myself. First one reloaded the, the, the doe just stood there. And I was like, all right, well, I got a doe take two. I'll take, I'll take you also. And I called him and I was like, yep, there, I got two down. He's like, um, two. Yeah. I just shot two deer. You're kidding. I'm like, no, I'm not kidding. And at this point he had both of the kids with, he had all three of the kids with him in, in the vehicle. I'm like, come on. I mean, you can come and help me now. (laughs) So, And the same thing happened with antelope. So last year was kind of, you know, 10 years in, I was finally getting enough confidence to say, Hey, I can do this. So for your wife to just I mean, to slowly wean her in and help her build some confidence because that's ultimately what it takes. It just takes when you're not used to it. And it's not something that I feel like we were exposed to or, or maybe born to do, right? Like, I feel like that's much more of a man born to do type thing. Um, if you don't feel that way, like you were born to do it, then it just takes a little bit of confidence to say, Hey, I can actually do this on my own. And there's right? a, like I, I would, uh, to contrast it though, there's a stigma We're you know, we're in California, Southern California of all places. Right. So uh, oh. a lot of folks grow up with a stigma with either, you know, weapons or hunting. Mm-hmm. And it's this, you know, quote unquote, you know, uh, redneck thing that you got a, you know, a 12 pack of Budweiser sitting on the seat next to you and you're rolling down in an old Chevy mm-hmm. truck or something, you know? So I think that's a lot of it. Um, trying to bring her into it, but she, she definitely is not opposed to it. It's just, wow, I don't know if I could do that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, that that's probably for me anyways, it was kind of fear that I wouldn't be able to, I guess on my own. So I only ever, went when Brady could go. Right. And, and then I started, um, following Jordan Budd on Instagram. Do you know who Jordan Budd is? Yeah. So Jordan is, um, she is a freaking female badass when it comes to hunting. I think like I, I started following Brady. She reviews Kafaru packs. Brady's obsessed with Kafaru packs. And so it started there. Like, go follow her. She's always talking about Kafaru packs. And so I started following her. I'm like, this chick is going elk hunting on the mountain by herself. Yeah. I'm like, and videoing it by herself. Right. And I started thinking, okay, well, I mean, maybe, maybe I could at least (laughs) not go elk hunting on a mountain by myself, but maybe I could do something else on my own. And you know, when you, when you, 
are watching people who it's for her. I feel like she doesn't even think about it. It seems like second nature for her. It seems like something that she has just like, it just comes natural. Right. And it doesn't feel like that for me. It does more now, but it didn't before. But to be able to see someone who's doing it and watch them have success and watch them struggle and still keep going when they could have given up, that's inspiring. And that's honestly, like, that is what I wish we had more of on social media. More females that are sharing what they do, what their struggles have been, how they overcame them and how they're using the outdoors to enrich their life, to share time with others and to inspire other females to do the same thing. Because I think a lot of it does literally come out of fear of failure or not being good at it or not even being able to do it at all. And I mean, I, women empowerment, like it's not a huge thing to me, but it kind of is a huge thing to me. I mean, I think females are powerful people and amazing. I mean, we were, we were created to do some hard crap, right? Mm, like, oh, yeah. Birthing babies is no joke. <laughs> well, right when you said it, that's what I thought of. <laughs> right? Like, it's no joke. So, I mean, if we can do that, why can we not hunt? Right? Like, why can we not spend time hunting and gathering our own food and spending time in the outdoors or whatever it is that you decide you might want to do. Like, I just think we need more of that. And that's, what's so awesome about the outdoor experience, not just hunting, but you know, we're talking about hunting, but it's a leveler, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah. doesn't matter who you are, where you are, you know, what you think you're capable of. It's, it's really what you put into it is what you get out of it. Um, and it's exactly. just a leveler as, as far as the playing field goes. I mean, you can, there's women laying it down better than I ever have you know it's yeah it's an amazing Mm -hmm. thing um to see yeah yeah, to see anyone doing it Mm -hmm. it's awesome um so let's get into a little bit about gathering health um that was spawned by celiac disease um that you have so let's get a little brief on the celiac and then let's talk uh gathering health and we'll roll in to refresh your plate Okay. So, um, shortly after Brie and I were married, I had Cooper and, um, I started having like all of these reactions, like, Oh, I would break out in hives. And then the next day I would be like keeled over in pain. My stomach was hurting and my system was just so off. So, um, turned out that I ended up finding out I had celiac disease, but also have a corn allergy and a dairy allergy. And my system was a stinking hot mess. And so I found myself at a point where I had to completely overhaul my diet. Um, there was no breads, there was pretty much no processed crackers, no pasta, no, um, I mean, a lot of bars and things have, if they don't have gluten in them, they have corn in them. And so I was finding myself with this very primal diet, like this very paleo-ish type, um, you know, meat and vegetables and fruit and nuts and seeds and those type of things as 
the only things that I could eat to stay healthy because I tried the whole, oh, buy the gluten-free product to substitute and I still was sick. Like I still didn't feel good. I was miserable. And, you know, when you're a mom and at the time I was teaching full-time, you don't feel good. Your life, your quality of life with your food and all of that, it just goes so far downhill. So realized that I needed to make some huge changes and I started, you know, started slowly. And before I knew it, I had completely overhauled my diet. I had regained my health. I was feeling better than I had in a long time. And everybody was asking, you know, more people were, more of my friends were being diagnosed as celiac. A lot of them were being diagnosed with other autoimmune disorders. And if you're not familiar with autoimmune disorders, like if you can, if you have a diet for one, it pretty much works for all of them just because you're eliminating inflammatory foods, foods that your body just doesn't like. And so if you have a digestive disorder of any sort, like going gluten-free and cutting out those processed foods helps for all of them. So everybody was saying, Hey, Kristen, you know, how are you making kombucha? How are you? um, What's your flour recipe? So you can actually make things that don't taste like cardboard. Um, You know, those types of things. And I was constantly like, Oh, I got to type up that, got to type up that recipe again and get this to Karen. Oh, I got to type up the kombucha recipe and my phone and I got to get this to someone else. And I realized like I'm wasting so much time. I need to just put everything in one place. So I decided just to creep the website and started loading things in there and decided that, you know what, there's got to be other people who are going through these same things on Instagram and that I could share some of these things with them. So, um, that's kind of where the whole hunting portion, you know, comes in. I was already involved in hunting, but once we moved here, I realized that my access to good quality meat that in North Dakota, you only have like one tag. So we couldn't survive the whole year on only hunted meat. Like we couldn't. So, but I had access in Fargo and in Bismarck to go and get that quality meat South Dakota, where we live, I do not. Like, I couldn't buy organic produce here. I can't buy organic meat here. I can't buy elk. Like, none of that is here. And so it became very apparent that if I was going to stay healthy, that our own hunted and gathered food was going to be necessary. And when people say that, oh, you know, so you're a meat hunter or whatever. No, not necessarily. I'm just saying like what we do harvest, I have such a huge appreciation for because that is truly what keeps me alive and healthy and um, able to provide, you know, for my family and time with my family and to be here and not be miserable. So that's kind of where gathering health came from. And now I just, I feel like I'm I'm on a mission to help people realize that hunting has this huge opportunity to, to take power and control over what you put on your plate and 
to live a healthier life so that we can enjoy this for a lot longer. Because that's ultimately the goal, right? Like we want to be healthy for, I want to be healthy enough that I'm still hunting when I'm 70, like straight up. Like I, I just want to be able to do that with my kids and my grandkids. I just want to be able to pass this legacy on and to be able to do that. And if I were to continue to eat the way I was, you know, I, that wouldn't be a possibility for me. So now it's just me trying to figure out or, you know, share with people ways that they can improve their health through hunting and just through everyday stuff. And that's kind of where Refresher Plate kind of came, um, came into play this past year. I have had so many people say, oh, would you do nutrition coaching for me? Which is essentially, you know, teaching people kind of the mindset of what they need to change and why they need to change it. And I ha- I'm a information junkie. And so I decided to do a nutrition coaching certification because I wanted to know for myself, but then I realized this has the power to help so many people who are sick, like they're tired and they're sick and, and they want to live a healthier life. And so a friend of mine who also has celiac disease and has done the same certifications and she's a, um, she's a dietitian. We, we combined forces and created Refresher Plate, which is essentially group nutrition coaching and meals planned and sent to you. Not like, here's Monday, you need to eat this. Here's Tuesday, you need to eat this. But we've taken the guesswork out of it and said, here are some healthy recipes for this month. I want you to focus on incorporating some new things. Some, And then they have tasks to complete and to um, kind of help them think about how they eat. And we talk a lot about portion sizes and why you need to eat things and not just here's my meal plan. You're supposed to have these macros. Now go out and do that Mm -hmm. because I don't think that's sustainable long-term. And I, I know from past experience that food has the ability to rule your life if you allow it to. And I want them, everybody to know that what you put in your body truly does matter. And the sooner we realize that we are fueling our body with the food we put in it and not just filling our belly, the better off we're going to be. Because once you start realizing that, you know, that Snickers bar is really not doing a lot for you, it gives you the mindset to think, well, maybe I could make a healthier choice. Maybe I could put something in my system that isn't going to cause inflammation or isn't going to... um, you know, slow my metabolism down or whatever it is. So that's kind of where that came from. And it's been so much fun. Um, everybody in there, they are, I don't think there's another single hunter yet. Um, and the whole premise on why it's not gathering health coaching or tailored just to, to hunters was because I kind of wanted to, um, one, because it's not just my business, but two, because I think it's a powerful thing for people who are not hunters to see me taking charge of my health with hunting and to see that that's not a bad thing. Right. So, and and it's not just 
for people with the autoimmune issues, right? No. I mean, this is something that's so very important to just everyone. Um, everyone. Right. We can all yeah. benefit from it. So how do you, what, what's the, what's the, the first part of that, I guess, for the, for the lack of a, having a question prepared for it. So you talk about the gathered food, right? Not just your, not just your harvest or your kills. Um, mm -hmm. So are you growing? You have, you know, is, is that part of it or how do you give us some more yeah. on, on how we put this diet together or this nutrition? I shouldn't call it a diet, right? Cause that has kind of a stigma to it. How we change yeah. that nutritional value. Yeah. So we focus. So obviously I have a garden here, but even if you can't garden, like you can go to the grocery store and buy real whole foods. So my, our nutrition philosophy at Refresher Plate and my nutrition philosophy is very, um, if God created it, you eat it. If, uh, it was created in a factory, probably not. So, um, you're focusing on whole foods, like fresh vegetables, um, carbs that are not refined. So sticking to things like sweet potatoes and brown rice and cauliflower and um, those types of and squashes and those types of things, because your body knows exactly what to do with them. They're real food. That's how we were designed to eat. And so once your body transitions over into dumping the junk that most of the time is chock full of sugar to make it taste good, it starts to realize, oh, wait, this is way easier to process. And so now I don't have to hang on to anything extra. And you naturally realize that they keep me full longer. I, I'm able to eat more pro I'm able to eat more protein. That's a huge problem in our country is a lot of people eat way too many carbs, not enough protein. And protein is essential for so many reasons, but mainly because our bodies just need it to function. We need more protein than most people consume. So just learning to, I mean, if you're a man, you literally are eating two palm-sized portions of protein per meal. If you're a smaller man, obviously your palm is smaller. If you're a bigger man, obviously your palm is bigger, right? And so it allows us like you can figure out your portions by using your hands. Fats is a thumb, one serving a thumb. So for a female, your thumb size serving of fat at every meal and for men it's two, right? So as you have those, and once you start making those changes, then say you're not, maybe you want to lose weight, but yet you're not, and you've made these changes, then you, you're able to manipulate those a little bit. And we teach everybody how to do that and how to make those changes without saying you need to count all your calories or you need to count all your macros because who's got freaking time to whip out a calculator oh my God. every time they put something in their mouth, right? Weigh it and so, do that whole nine. I've been down that road. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, and how long did it actually take? How long did it last? It, it just depends on, on when I did it. <laughs> right. Because life gets in the way. Oh right? my goodness. Like, you want to talk about a tedious, Oh God. And, and that's a problem, right? Is I, and I think that's where I, I find myself in that, that 
defeat because it's like, oh man, it's Sunday. I got a meal prep, but then you spend six, seven hours trying to meal prep and you're weighing each portion and it's, you know, do you weigh it before it's cooked? Do you weigh it after it's cooked? No, wait, it's before mm-hmm. it's cooked. Oh my goodness. What a cycle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the whole carb thing, right? You brought that up. Um, with the carbs, there's a huge misconception, I think, but people say, oh, I got to cut out the carbs. Um, Why? But it's like, well, let's talk. There, there's different type of carbohydrates, right? Our body needs carbs as fuel. And correct me if I'm mm-hmm. wrong or I step off base. Here, Absolutely, you do. Right? So we need carbs as fuel. It's cutting out the bad carbs and understanding what those are um, that is important, right? So people start cutting right. out the fuel and it's like, well, what are you functioning on? Then you know what your body does. It starts using your muscle. Yep. It started, goes right to that muscle, you know? feeds off the muscle. And then, you know, yeah. you're in that, you're in that freaking cycle where you're storing everything. And that's my yeah. problem. A big part of my problem is, is that I don't eat regularly. Um, just because of the line of work I'm in, I'm always going, I'm going, I'm going. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that part of it's a struggle for me and it, it, it's so important to understand what we're putting in. But as you were saying, the thumb size portion, I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, a thumb-sized portion, man. I'm hungry. <laughs> right? Right? Think about it. So if you're eating cashews, a thumb-sized freaking portion of cashews, like, that's not fair. <laughs> like, right. But that's realistic. I mean, and you, you think about how easy it, like, I always joke with Brady because for a while, um, he'd be like, oh, I, it took him a long time to realize I knew what I was talking about. And he would always resist me almost like I like, oh, I just don't want to listen to her. You know, <laughs> Man. Brady, oh, you're going to get a rebuttal episode, buddy. <laughs> yeah, he can totally have a but he, he'll admit it. So he finally let me figure it out for him. And I'm like, dude, do you realize you just put a fourth a cup of ranch dressing on your salad? <laughs> a fourth of a cup. Do you know what a serving is? And he's like, oof, yeah, you're right. I'm like, see, like that is why. Like you're you can't just douse everything in in that and think that it's, you know, doesn't matter. So now it's like he allowed me to to coach him a bit and he has finally he's his the problem is he wants to gain weight like crazy um but he has always wanted to gain weight and something like, you gotta let me do some some adjusting to what you're eating and he did and he has gained weight this winter and i have never seen him so darn excited so that part has been fun but he too is like that he's like i just need to cut carbs and kristen i just need to cut carbs and i'm like for what like you are going, 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 going. Like the man never sits down. Like I can't even imagine the number of calories he burns Burns. in a day just from normal activity, not to mention the fact that he's at the gym sweating like crazy every morning. So, you know, here he's not even consuming enough carbs. You can't build muscle when you don't have enough carbs. You just can't. Like your body can't, you have to be in a surplus to build muscle. And if, if you're eating only protein is very dense caloric wise, right? And so you can eat a large portion of protein, but it really doesn't have a ton of calories compared to carbs. So, you know, your body needs those carbs to build and he's finally getting that. Um, but it took me a really long time to get rid of some of his, um, comfort foods, I would say. So 
But it is, but I mean, I, that's a very difficult cycle, right? To to break off of what you're used to and then everything that you see and hear and, you know, the fad trends and all that. It's a mm-hmm. difficult thing to break off of that because um, I'm a catch-a-polic. Like I've, I've started going to low sugar, <laughs> low yeah. sodium ketchup, but that's when my wife will look at me and she'll go, guy, what are you doing? You know, do you yeah. need that much ketchup? And it, it's just like, yeah, you know, and you look at the sugar that's in it and sugar is horrible, right? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Refined sugar is so bad the for devil, you. The devil yeah. as far as nutrition goes. So, yeah, uh, but it's hard to break that cycle. It, it's rough. It is. And sugar is incredibly addictive. I mean, people don't realize that sugar to your brain is the same thing as opiates. So you look at it and it's like, okay, this is this is the pleasure center, right? Like it makes me feel good. And that's why it's in every single food product that's on the shelf. Like it's legit in every single food product that's on the shelf. Like unless it says sugar free and then it's also an artificial sweetener that does uh, the same thing. I was going yeah, so, to say, well, then you talk about the artificial sweeteners and yeah. then you got a whole nother issue there, right? All the mm-hmm. chemicals and stuff that come along with that. Yep. And you know, they are way more sweet, way more addictive and they screw with your gut bacteria so bad that it just causes so much, so many issues, but that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, I, we always encourage people to take one small step at a time. And if you really want it to be a lasting change, it has to be a lifestyle. And we really don't preach any sort of diet. It's just, what can you do to eat healthier food? Let's, let's today, let's this week work on swapping or just eating the right amount of protein. And that's literally how we start with people is, is showing them how much protein they should have. Because if you eat more protein and good quality meat, then you're going to eat less of the other stuff. You just will because you have, you are full if you focus on that. So once we do that and then people start making some positive changes and it becomes more of a habit, then the other things are introduced and we get into more detail of, you know, the whole health and it becoming a holistic lifestyle and all that. So it's just been really fun to see people. I mean, even Luke, he came to me probably two and a half months ago and that guy is dropping weight like it's hot because he asked me to help him and just super proud of him because he, he has done exactly what I have said and he's having success and he's really, really excited for this year's hunting season because he's not packing around a bunch of extra weight anymore and he's feeling better than he has in years. So I think that's the part that, you know, it helps boost confidence. It helps boost your performance on the mountain, but it also improves your longevity and it it just makes you a healthier, happier person. And that's kind of why I do it, I guess. So, yeah, I was going to say it has to be pretty rewarding to see what you're doing translate into someone's life for not just the hunting benefit or, you know, the time on the mountain, but just that longevity, like you were talking about, um, that has to be pretty freaking rewarding. It is, it is, you know, it, at first I didn't really realize the impact until someone messages you and says, Hey, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Or thank you for helping me with this. Like I couldn't have done it without you. I mean, they could have, they could have, but 
I just feel like God put me in that place at the right time to be that person, to provide them with what they needed at the time to get them through that. And I'm, I'm super thankful for that opportunity. So, so how do you, for the lack of a better word, combat the need for the immediate results when you start talking about the diet change or the weight loss? How do you combat that with gathering health or refresh your plate? Because that has to be a, a big, big challenge with it. It is hard. And, you know, we preface everything with if you're sick and tired of the fad diet, because essentially that people who find us or who are part of our tribe are there because they've tried everything and it doesn't work. Like diets don't work. I mean, they work short term, but research shows people gain back more weight post diet than they actually had in the first place. I mean, that's sad, right? Like in to, to not be able to, like, I look at it as if you can't, if you're dieting and you can't see yourself eating like that for the rest of your life, then why the heck are you doing it? Because eventually, I mean, it's like when you cut out carbs for forever and then you introduce carbs, well, what's going to happen, right? Like the Atkins diet. So many people went on the Atkins diet for a long, long time and then they reintroduced carbs. And I was like, well, hello, like, you were barely eating anything to begin with. And now you're eating a caloric, you know, more calories and your body, you slowed your metabolism down so far. And now you're, you're consuming more calories and your body's like, Oh, wait a second. I don't know what's going on. So if you can teach people that this isn't like, we are very upfront. This is not a diet. Will you lose weight? Probably, but this is a lifestyle change. And I promise people that they are just going to feel better because I know what it's like to be addicted to sugar. I know what it's like to have chronic joint pain because I eat too much sugar. A lot of people just don't realize that they feel like crap. They're just so used to it. You know? and a lot and, of people don't realize that it's the food that they're putting in their bodies that's doing it. Right. And most of the time people are just heavily medicated, right? Like, I mean, you, you can link sugar to depression. You can link it to joint pain. You can link, link it to gut disorders. You can link it to pretty much everything. But people don't realize that processed foods are the things that they're most likely getting their excess sugar from, right? And I mean, when you look at a Gatorade, like just a Gatorade, which is what people give their kids when they're sick or when they're playing sports or whatever, it has more sugar in it than they are recommended to have an entire day. Like, pretty sad, right? And like, that's a, and we, most of them are what, a two, three serving bottle. Two and a half serving bottle. Not crazy when you think about it, but people think that that's healthy because of the way it's been marketed to the public. And the sooner we, we can talk about those things and start realizing there are better options out there than that, the easier, I mean, you think about kids these days, I mean, there's a problem. There is a sugar epidemic problem and it's only going to lead to more chronic diseases like like I have, or like anybody, you know, diabetes and all of those other things that can be prevented based on what you put in your body, you know? So the better, the sooner we, we educate people and raise awareness to that, the better off we're going to be like my kids, 
they don't eat much bread just because I can't have it. Right. So I don't really keep it in the house and they eat gluten-free pasta. They don't know the difference, nor do they care because they're just so used to it. And I have so many people say, well, I don't understand how you get your kids to eat healthy. I don't give them the choice. Right. This is what we're doing and this is what I'm making and this is what they're eating. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the parent. Brady's the parent. Like we don't say, oh, you don't want it. Oh, right. I'll make you chicken nuggets. We don't even buy chicken nuggets unless I'm like straight up hardcore cannot even function or something. Right. Like don't get me wrong. Like my kids are allowed to have a pizza and that type of thing every here and there, but most of the time they're eating exactly what we are because I don't, I'm, I'm not a chef to be here to cook, you know, whatever they made for order meals, whatever they decide they want to have for, for the day. So they don't know any different. I mean, they're fine with it. But it's important to translate all that to the entire family. Right. I mean, and, and I think if, if people understand what they're putting in their bodies and the effect it's having and, and being able to say, you know, no, we're not eating this. We're eating, you know, this way because uh, that's Mm -hmm. important, right? So they can continue Mm -hmm. that lifestyle and they, you know, they reap the benefits of something that you were forced to do. Right. Right. Something that without, maybe without all the gluten, without all the sugar that you may have never had an issue with. Right. Yeah. It's for sure true. I mean, I think about my three-year-old and she, she doesn't ask for goldfish or pretzels or chips. She asks for apples. She eats an apple a day. Every time she wants a snack, she asks if she can have an apple. She does that because that's what we do. It's what we've told her is a healthier choice And so she will make that choice willingly on her own because she likes them and because they're readily available to her. So, you know, I think some of the best advice I've given to people um, that has come back and they've said, oh, Kristen, that was really good advice, is if you don't think you should eat it or you don't want to eat it, don't stink and buy it. Why do you spend your money on something that's going to make you feel guilty or not serve you well, or whatever. And if it's in your house, you're going to eat it, or someone else will, right? If it's not in your house, you can't eat it. So, I mean, we've taught people how to clean out their cupboards, what to look for, what things are going to trigger them, all of those things all in Refresh Your Plate, just because you don't realize how much of that is just a mental block. Like, I'm, I'm a nighttime snacker, Right before I go to bed, I always feel like I need to eat something. And if I have something that I'm, I thoroughly enjoy in my pantry, I'll eat it every single night. But if I don't buy it, I can't eat, can't it, eat it, right? I hate going so, to the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Don't go when you're hungry. That's, That's the worst time that to That is the worst time. <laughs> yeah. It's like torture. <laughs> and, and what's funny to me with that is, is where did, and it sounds so cliche and I feel kind of old saying it, but where did the apple a day keeps the doctor away go? I mean, that, I don't want to say that there's not a truer statement, but there's not a truer statement. I mean, that's right. a big deal. And where did that, where did the, the value in, whole foods or natural food go. It's just, it's weird. 
It is weird. And, you know, I think honestly, to be honest, I think it comes down to convenience and time. People now are busier than they've ever been. They're running and doing more things than they've ever been. Right. Like I think about me growing up and my parents, like we weren't running all over the place. We weren't on four sports teams at a time or, um, you know, paying thousands of dollars to play on a team or whatever, like our life was much slower. So I feel like it was easier for our parents to cook. And now it's like, everybody's running here, there and everywhere to keep up with Johnny Joe down the street, who, who is in five sports and piano lessons. Right. And so that the time crunch comes in to where people aren't, they don't even know how to cook because they haven't even taken the time to learn how to cook. Oh, we're going down a rabbit hole right now because yeah. if you look at how, okay, we went, you know, cliche with the apple a day, but if you look at how many families are actually sitting down together every single night yeah. and eating a home cooked meal, you know, saying a prayer over that meal and sharing that mm-hmm. time. Right. I mean, you know, Not phones off. TV, it is. That is the weird. And that's one of the things I I can't wait to get home and sit down with with the wife and kids and just enjoy that time at the table. It, mm-hmm. it, the, the value in some of this stuff is just out the window. It is. And, you know, we are fortunate enough that we get two or three meals a day all together um, with homeschooling our kids and Brady living, you know, working here, he gets to come home for lunch. So he rolls in at 12. I have lunch ready. We're all eating and he goes back to work at 1230. So we get to connect and he gets to check in with us multiple times, you know, during the day and then having dinner at night. We're super thankful for that, but that's not the norm. It's just not the norm anymore. And, you know, my kids, they talk like crazy at the dinner table, sometimes to the point where it's like, can you just stop and eat? <laughs> Your food's but cold. At the, <laughs> yes, but at the same time, like they feel safe and they feel listened to and they want that time to connect with us. And I feel it just makes me so sad for the kids who don't get to have that time around the dinner table. And I know that's not something that every parent chooses that they don't get to you know, have that time, whether it be work obligations or whatever. But I think the more time we do spend around the table with our kids, the better off we're going to be. Oh, most definitely. And, and again, that is just that the value in that time is second to none. Well, maybe to being on the mountain, but yeah, for uh, sure. So cool. So, um, importance since we we touched on the the family value time or this family time being such a valuable thing let's talk about the importance to you guys of passing down the outdoor experience to your kids and what they're what you're seeing in them come out because of that yeah so um I think obviously, since it's something that Brady and I love so much, we, we want to share it with them as much as possible. And the only way to do that is by literally taking them with us. Right. So, so we've done that and, and they know that this is just kind of what we do. You know, we've had multiple people say, well, when was the last time you went on a tropical vacation? Well, I mean, our honeymoon, but we've also gone I mean, I took, we took a two week 
trip to Wyoming this year and we take the kids on all of our hunts and, you know, we're constantly traveling, but we're just not traveling to the same places. So for us, you know, our vacations, our, our time together is hunting and for that's not what the norm chooses, I guess, maybe not, but we're okay with that because we're, we're showing them that we don't have to have some fancy boat or a fancy hotel or whatever, because we're together. And for us, this is the, you know, I mean, we have a small camper because we just wanted a camper, right? And so we bought a small camper so that we could hang out and spend time together and take it hunting. And so everybody could come. They don't care that we're all stepping on each other and sleeping on top of each other. Like all they care about is that we have it so we can go do it, right? And I think that has been just a powerful, powerful thing for us to share with our kids that, we don't need fancy things. We just need each other. Family. Yeah. We just need the family. And we are blessed with friends who have the same values, who see those things and, you know, want to take the similar trips with us so that we can share it with friends as well. Um, But it's, it's honestly like, we don't ever want to say, tell our kids, Oh, you have to hunt or you have to do this, but they naturally seem to all want to do it just because we have so many great memories. I mean, the first time we took our kids shed hunting, Callie found her first shed and she didn't stop talking about it for three weeks. Like that's all anybody heard about. She told everybody, she had to call all of our relatives. Like it, she was so darn proud of herself. And you know, even that, like we're looking for sheds. Like (laughs) you wouldn't think it would be that big of a deal, but for her, it was the big deal. And that, no, that's okay. Go ahead. And that was, that was the part that it was just, you know, this, this lifestyle, it is for us. It may not be for everybody, but it is certainly meant for us. And, um, hopefully they choose to, to continue that with their kids as well. Because I know, I mean, I know Cooper will, it's just the way he is, but I hope my girls will, will want to do it too. And even if they don't, you know, do it as much as we do, we do to be able to come home and hunt with us when, when they're older, even if they're, you know, not hunting on their own will make me incredibly happy. And they'll never forget it, whether they choose to, do that in the future or not the the what they're gaining from it now they'll never forget that the lessons and the family time and everything that that is a powerful powerful thing and it's something that we lack in my opinion as a society is that time right i mean shed hunting or or picking up a shell off the beach right i mean what's what really what's the difference outside of you know being in the mountains versus you know with some palm trees that were planted you know right off the exactly. bat. They just, yeah. Exactly. You know, and, and everybody has their own thing that they love. You know, we have some friends that are like really into racing or they're really into um, dirt biking or they're really into snowmobiling or whatever. Like if that's what you love to do, then do it with your family because, you know, the more we can do together, I think the better off we're going to be. And keep us together and strong because there's so many things that can pull your family apart and divide you and whatnot, but it, they know we are a team and everything, you know, Cooper has 
Brady sold him pretty much every deer that he shot that Cooper's been with. It's like, Cooper, this is your deer. You help me get this deer. This is our deer, buddy. You know, and he, he's got some hanging up in his room because those were their deer, right? And he takes great pride in those things, not just because of, um, you know, the deer, but because it's time with his dad and it's time with his mom. And, you know, so it's just, it's a treasure, I think. And I, I hope and pray that it's a treasure that we get to have for a really long time. Yeah, that's awesome. That's inspiring. Hopefully people take something away from that and hopefully someone that doesn't hunt takes something away from that because that's a big, big yes. deal. I mean, that yeah. the family and, value you know, is part of it. For sure, you know, and I I mean, I've talked to some gals here, like they're, they're in Arnold. I don't know very many female hunters here. I mean, I know some that go out like opening weekend and all, but not not a lot that are, you know, applying for st- for tags out of state or, you know, going different places to hunt because it's, you know, what they feel like they really want to do. So they may not understand like that different level, but I always tell everybody, you want to try shooting? Let me take you. You want to try? Because I think sometimes it's a little less intimidating for a female to help them do something than it is to have, you know, a highly skilled male take them to do something. So I'm hoping, like really hoping that we can get some more females in the outdoors and enjoying hunting in the future, just locally a lot, but also, you know, around the country as well. Yeah. It's, it it seems to be growing. I think, well, no, I don't think, I know that it's the largest and fastest growing demographic in hunting right now. So, I mean, it's booming at the moment and that's, that's awesome. It's exciting. It is super exciting. I think it's only going to improve girls' self-esteem and, you know, all of that. Like, cause we need more of that. We need more girls outdoors. Mm, oh, definitely. The, again, the value in it is unparalleled. Yeah. With that being said, media versus boots on the ground. What, what type of, or contrast it, right? So you see a lot of, not a lot of, but we see women hunting. Um, but what's the difference from what we're seeing in say social media versus actually getting out there and, and getting call it down and dirty with it. It it seems to be a gap or a lack of, you know, women showing the grit part of it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think honest, I've had a couple conversations with other gals about this and, and I think a lot of it, you know, even as I have, um, self-reflected a little bit too, is that I think there's a level of in, in the female social media industry, there is a level of need or they feel the need for everything to look perfect and for everything to look like, you know, they have everything together or that they don't struggle with anything or that there's, you know, like, like they're the skinniest or the prettiest. They're always done up They're You know, they're, there's just a social media is kind of a beast when it comes to females with that. And I, and I think males probably see some of that as well, but maybe not as much just because girls are so sensitive and so easily offended. And so, um, girls just value what everybody thinks so much. 
And it's hard. It's hard to post like the vulnerable because you don't know how that's going to be received. So there's that fear there that I think a lot of ladies are afraid to post the struggle, afraid to post the things that that aren't pretty, that that maybe was hard for them for fear of someone saying, oh, you don't really know what you're doing then, do you? You know, because then, then they might not look like they have it all together. And at the end of the day, the, you can't relate to those people. Like if, if everything looks perfect, what do you relate to? Because I sure as heck know I'm not perfect. I sure as heck know I've gone through a ton of struggle. And I'm only where I am today because I fought like hell to get here. And it has made me such a stronger woman and mom and wife. And I'm so proud of those struggles because no growth happens in the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. None. None. Zero. And we want to grow when we want to help others. And we have to get out of our dang comfort zones because otherwise all you're doing is searching for likes and comments and all of that, that pad your self-esteem. But then when you don't get the likes and you don't get the comments, all it's doing is making you feel bad about yourself. So I love seeing more ladies in hunting, but I, there's nothing I like more than seeing a post that isn't posed. It's not perfect and it's raw and it's real. And it talks about struggle or it talks about something that can inspire somebody else. Because I think that is the most powerful part about social media. Like if you have one person following you, you have the ability to influence them in their life. And how done, you yeah. choose to do that is the ultimate test of how you how you handle yourself on social media. So for me, I'm really hoping that someone sees my social media and doesn't just see, you know, this perfectly put together mom that gets to hunt because that's not, I I need to do a better job. Like I need to do a better job of showing more of the struggle because I think then people will realize I'm really not that different from anybody else. And at the end of the day, I just want people to live a healthier, happier life. And if what I have struggled with can help them in some way, shape or form, then all of that is worth it. So for lack of better terms, I think the media portrays kind of females in the hunting industry as the, um, I mean, there's the stereotypical shooting my bow in my bikini type thing, right? Uh-oh. Everyone's like, oh my God, <laughs> here she is shooting her bow in her bikini. Like I've never done that, obviously, but, um, <laughs> you know, that's out there, right? Like oh, the yeah. babes and bucks or whatever that is, or, you know, some of those accounts and, I mean, there's that stereotypical thing, but you never see them really engaging in the hunting. Like if that's your thing, like if you're, if you're, if you want to shoot your bow in your bikini, you do you, right? Like I am totally fine with that, but it's certainly not going to be me and I really can't connect with you. So that's not someone that I would necessarily want to follow because it's just not relatable. It's not inspiring to me, I guess. I mean, in real life, like, no, go ahead. In real life, you're never going to find me shooting my bow in my bikini. So like, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's not real life applicable. I, it's just, it's not something that I can connect with. So I think 
it, the more females we see on social media sharing the good, the bad, the ugly in whatever way, shape or form so people can connect with them, then then I think we're going to be in a better place, you know, and hopefully people can, you probably might not know this, but there is a huge debate amongst female hunters on whether or not you wear makeup. And it drives me insane. Just the debate, not whether or not you wear makeup, but the fact that girls have the audacity to say, you're not a hunter, you wear makeup or you're, (laughs) you're a hunter you, oh my God, you're hideous. You don't wear any makeup. Like they legit fight back and forth on social media and send derogatory comments to each other. Like you want to go out and hunt with a full face of makeup, go for it, girlfriend. If that makes you feel good, just make sure it doesn't take you 45 minutes in the hour because, you know, to an hour to put it on. Cause who the heck wants to get up that much earlier than the time you need to be, to be out hunting. Right. Yeah. It's wake up at but three it, or wake up at two. Yes. Right. <laughs> like, and I'm, I'm probably somewhere in between, like I don't wear a lot of makeup, but I mean, it doesn't hurt anybody else if I do. Right. Like I get up, five to 10 minutes before Brady to make sure that I just have, it just takes me longer to get ready. He literally doesn't wash his face. Doesn't do nothing. He just rolls. <laughs> just go. Yeah. It. He like throws his clothes on and rolls out. So I get up a little earlier anyways, but it, the part that bothers me is that girls debate it. Like just let her do her thing. Like if she's hunting and she's out there, like who cares cares if she has a full face of makeup on and doesn't look like, you know, she just rolled out of bed. Like that's her thing. You want to be on natural, whatever you do, you, you know, there's just so much jealousy that goes back and forth to where females just have a really hard time supporting other females. And that part is sad. Well, I think it's, and I was trying not to go down the rabbit hole, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but there's, but that seems to be, and it's not just women though. It, it seems to be with men as well, right? Well, you know, a guy will knock another guy because his choice of camo or his choice of boots or his choice of backpack. And, you know, we're all kind of uh, snobby about it for the lack of a better word, but it's just uh-huh. really weird, right? We're, we're always, we're always getting on each other and it's, you know, and that it's, I don't know. It just stumps yeah, me every time is. I think about it. It's just weird. It is weird. And, you know, I mean, in the male world, it's probably the um, rifle versus bow debate, right? Oh, like it's everything. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> it's oh everything. my, you shoot a rifle. That is not very primitive. Oh my gosh. Like, you know, and, and or you're, <laughs> You use a bow, that's irresponsible. You know, like people just like to pick people apart. And at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. We all want to do this. We all need to join forces and combat this world that is trying to take hunting away from us and to try to limit it and, and come together and say, you do it differently than me. But we're both on the same team, team, right? You know, and we both want the same angle. So let's not care about whether you're wearing Sika or you're wearing Numa or you're wearing First Light. Who cares? You're wearing camo. You're fortunate. 
you know, you're, you have more money than most people on this planet. If you can afford any one of those three things, <laughs> that's true. right. That is true. It's true. I mean, so what do you really have to whine about if you're wearing any of those things? Let's just go hunting. And I think, you know, one of the most powerful pieces of social media is also the ability to connect with people who feel the same way about you or have the same values and passions and whatnot. I mean, I met so many incredible people that we have now gotten, had the privilege to hunt with and to share meals around their table and for us to share knowledge. And I think if more people viewed it like that, like, how can I enrich this person's life? How can I serve them to teach them something or help them with a solution like Luke did for Brady or me providing Luke with information to help him in an area that he struggles with. That's my strong suit, right? Like the more we help each other, the better off we're going to be and the stronger our team of hunting and our team of conservation is going to be. So, and that's a constant message with me is community. Right. Because yeah. ultimately that's what it is. You you talk to, you know, Luke and Brady and Christian and Brandon and all these folks. It's a community of people. I mean, you I, I've never done anything that I've found better people in uh, uh, yeah. the hunting community is just a phenomenal group of people. Very opinionated, but phenomenal <laughs> group of people, you know? So it, it, once we, re, you know, once we get to the point where it's a, it's the same end game, we're in a better spot, you know, and we already right. have the opposition, right? We're, we're fighting to keep this, this privilege or right or however you look at it. We have to understand that it's a community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, it, we have the ability to either build it or to let it crumble. And I think we, everybody needs to choose, you know, like what, what, what you are doing, is it enhancing that community or is it tearing it down because you're, and most of the time it's just pride or it's, you know, selfishness or jealousy or whatever. And I think the sooner we can, it's not about me. It's about us. us. Yep. You know, and at the end of the day, the more people we get to think about that, the better off we're going to be. All of us. Yes, all of us. Then those three kiddos that are running around will get to experience this with their families and, you know, and continue the tradition. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, you couldn't have said it better. It's just, it will break my heart if they aren't able to experience this for the, you know, the rest of their life. But I mean, generation to generation, like it is, it is a very proud thing for most Americans, right? Like Americans who hunt, that is, there's so much pride in being able to do that. And to think like, what, what would people even do? You know, this huge community, what it, I was reading, I was reading some statistic, what was it? 700 million or $700 billion in the hunting industry every year. Like that's an insane amount of money. What do you think would happen with all of that money and all of that time that people are using to devote to this industry if the people took it away? And that is, that, that's scary to think about if you. I really can't imagine it. I can't imagine it gone. No. You know what I mean? It's not something that I want to, <laughs> I want to believe 
really believe that could happen, but it, but it is threatened. It yeah. is th- absolutely threatened. And even if it's not threatened that it'll be gone, it is threatened that it's ma- it's getting harder, right? Like it's, it's getting more expensive. It's getting harder to get access to public lands. Like it's just getting harder. And I feel like when things start getting harder, it gets closer and closer for it just not to be as accessible for more people, a lot of people right yeah 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 so cool off the soapbox we are i know <laughs> <laughs> i can talk about those types oh, of things all night long yeah i was trying not to go down that rabbit hole because i do it pretty frequently but it's important to me to you know to keep that community message going so people realize that hey you are a part of something bigger like you said than yourself here so mm-hmm. um so projects media what to watch out for from uh gathering health and refresh your plate and you in general yeah so um me in general this 2019 is going to be fun. I mean, it's already starting off to be a ton of fun, but we gathering health is going to be launching on YouTube soon. Um, we filmed the antelope series from last year while we were in Wyoming. Um, when I shot my Wyoming antelope and I really want to, I really want to get the footage put up mainly because I, want to save it for our kids to be able to pass it down and to have that put together. But Cooper's first, first animals, his first antelope is on, is on film. So I really want to share more of the family hunting life. Like I'm, I'm not some 20 some year old that can go hunting all over the country or have a bunch of money that I can put in for tags in every single state. Like we are a family. And when you have like Wyoming draw, we had $1,500 in the draw, right? Like I can't put in for every single state every year. And so I just want people to, to see part of that, to be, um, to see the reality of, you know, what kind of an average person and how an average person could hunt with their family. So that's kind of a plan. I also want to get, um, a lot more health stuff up on there talking about how to make some of my favorite things that people don't even realize they can make like kombucha and things. I don't know. I was following Jordan the other day. She had messaged me a while ago and, um, I was telling that she should get some kombucha because she was sick and she's like oh I don't know I just don't know if I can acquire the taste now she's like straight up addicted so you know what happens after that comes and she lives in Nebraska which is kind of in the middle of nowhere also like before you know it girl you're gonna be making it just like (laughs) me (laughs) so I want to get like I want to put that up on YouTube I want to share some of these things that people in the hunting industry don't realize that you can do because I think people are starting to catch on that they need to take better care of themselves. And I, I want to be able to provide some of those solutions to people. So that is coming. Um, as far as hunting goes, the spring is going to be really busy with turkey hunting. Um, in 2017, I decided I was going to turkey hunt mainly because I needed some time by myself (laughs) in a ground blind. Um, and because I wanted to learn how, and Brady had never done it. And part of me was like, Oh, 
here's my opportunity. I can do something the leveler. before he does it, right? <laughs> here's a tennis so match. I, <laughs> right? So I taught myself how to call turkeys. I put hours upon hours upon hours in this ground blind. And we have a friend who has some property and was so gracious to just let me come and hang out and hunt turkeys on his land. And, you know, he would kind of be like, scoping them out for me when he would see them on his drive home or whatever. He's like, I think they're going to be out tonight. You should really come out. So I'd go on hunting braid, stay home and watch the kids. And I shot my first turkey with my bow in 2017. Oh, nice. Congrats. Yeah. It was so much fun. And then Brady was like, well, I mean, I, I better get a turkey tag. So, so he gets a turkey tag and I was gone. I can't remember where I was at. But I was gone somewhere and I get this photo. He was home with all, with all three of the kids and I, I can't even remember where I was at, but I get this photo and here he's got this, he had gone out hunting. He had all of the kids and he had gone out turkey hunting. He had taken the kids. They were sitting on a side hill watching him go down. He shot a turkey, but with a shotgun. And, um, so he leveled that quickly. He's like, I, I mean, I gotta, I can't let Kristen like go a full year without. I don't know. Did he level know? it? Shotgun versus a bow. Well, right. I know. That's what I said. I was like, okay, so when are you going to, you know, hunt him with your bow? He's like, I just don't know if I really want to. Shotgun's pretty fun. I'm like, mm-hmm. I know what that's about. Know? I'm like, do you even know where to aim with a bow there, dude? Like, you know, so it just was funny because when we were, when I was prepping for it and I was studying, like you're shooting with a bow, I don't shoot like expandables or anything, you know, like the big turkey broadheads or whatever. So I'm like literally aiming at the body of the turkey, not the head. And so I was like studying because if you hit a part, a part of the wing, the arrow will legit like bounce off like you did it concrete. And so, um, I was studying and he's like, I mean, are, are you sure you, are you sure you're good? I'm like, dude, I've been like looking at this thing. Like I, I'm going to go hunting. He's like, Oh, I think you should like, I think you should check out another chart or maybe I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I think you are more worried about shooting a, a turkey with your bow than I am. <laughs> so, um, so he got one in 2017 and then the spring of 2018, uh, I wanted to go out again, but he's like, can I come with you? So he came out the first night and I shot another one with my bow. Um, yeah. And got that one on film. And, you know, Turkey has this, it's weird because he's like, turkeys just don't really do it for me. I'm like, you know what? I'm so opposite. I was straight up addicted to turkey hunting. I, the first day that I had a turkey in 2017, first day I had a turkey walk right in front of me, my heart was beating so fast. My legs were bouncing up and down. I had so much freaking adrenaline running through me. Like that doesn't happen with deer. I don't know if it's because it's so big or because I had hunted them before, but my Apple watch was recording it as exercise. That's how fast my heart rate was going. And I, I couldn't even pull, pull back my bowl. I'm like, this is a bit ridiculous, Kristen. Like get your life together here. It's a turkey. But I love it. I don't know if it was because I could call them and they would literally come running right in or what it was, but I just was fascinated with it. So last year I shot one. It was a super fun, fun hunt and that, with my bow. And then that next weekend we headed off to like a media camp and I shot one with, uh, we both shot turkeys with 
our shotguns there too. So kind of caught the turkey bug, but I'm one up on him still. So I'm going <laughs> to hold on to that for as long as I possibly can. So this spring, um, we're going to go to back to the turkey camp that we were at um, last year. And then in the end of April, um, you've heard of NUMA Outdoors, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So NUMA, David, the um, vice president of NUMA and Tom Martineau, he's a National Geographic photographer that... um, I think his national, he has, he has the most insane photos printed all over magazine covers. You can look them up at Tom Martineau images, but he's an incredible photographer. He came out here last year with David and Brady and I helped them find turkeys. And so they hunted with a couple guys from Colorado last year while we were at the other turkey camp. So we couldn't hunt with them. So this year they planned a big turkey camp for a bunch of us that are wearing NUMA and are just kind of part of the NUMA team, I guess. So they're coming out here and we're all going to hunt together. And, um, there's, there's guys coming from Colorado and, um, I think Kelsey is coming from Montana and Dylan, our friend Dylan is coming from Idaho and it's us. And then I think a couple other media people from NUMA coming. So it should be fun because turkey hunting here is pretty darn fun. And it'll be a good time of year just to enjoy ourselves and get to know everybody. And so that's the part I love the most about hunting is just that part. So, but And then after that, I mean, none of our seasons, like we don't have any of our draws in yet. So, um, I put in for Wyoming elk. I did not draw. So I will put in for Wyoming antelope. That's my favorite. Antelope is my favorite. And then I'll put in for pretty much everything in South Dakota, hoping to draw at least a deer tag and possibly an antelope tag here. If I might get, if I get super lucky, may possibly draw um a south dakota elk tag which would be super cool but that's that's kind of what's coming and then brady is hunt brady drew wyoming elk so him and luke are gonna go hunt wyoming and usually when that happens we usually take the kids and um they hunt and I either stay and hang with Kristen. His wife's name is Kristen also kind of creepy. It's weird that they're like best friends have the same, their wives have the same name, but um, (laughs) we either stay with them and hang for a while and then go see my sister in Colorado and then go back and like pick Brady up and then come home. So it literally is a family thing. Like we all go (laughs) even when they do that. So, and then, um, Lots of friends coming to hunt in South Dakota in um, November, um, October, November. So should be a good year. Sounds It's like always it. good when you're outside. You know, I mean, even if I don't draw barely any tags, I'll still hunt and still get to spend time outside. Yeah, which still will have, be nice. yeah, have a good time still. Yeah. So one of the things that I always try to touch on, um, call it the conservation quick or future hunting, whichever you choose. So just a little, you know, one minute, two minute snidbit of your take on conservation and the importance and the importance of the future of hunting, which you've touched on multiple times already. So, yeah. So obviously my biggest passion is probably 
conserving the future of hunting for our children. Um, just because I think it's so incredibly important for them to have access to this lifestyle, should they choose to have it. Right. Um, and I think the only way to do that is to get more kids involved in, you know, the outdoors, spending time outdoors, spending time hunting, taking kids hunting. South Dakota is, they are doing good things in regards to that with the mentor program. I mean, it, they don't even have to be your own kid to be able to take them hunting. So, I mean, if Cooper has a friend that wants to go hunting, but their parents don't hunt, I think he could pretty good mentor you know, that kid for that year, if he wanted to. So I think that is, I think that is a powerful thing, but I think it's also important to teach adults that, um, hunting's not scary. Hunting isn't, um, because that that was my mom's fear. Like my mom, Oh, guns they are scary. You know, hunting is scary because she doesn't know anything about it. And I think a lot of people think that as well. So the more we can do to educate people that it's a safe sport, it is, um, you know, it's a way to provide for your family. It's a way to not be sick, you know, by consuming that good organic meat and, and a way to, to build your connection with your family and, and the, the camaraderie with, you know, you, you, yeah. you got a camp, a turkey camp of what, 20, 30 people. I think yeah. about the enjoyment in that time. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be a blast. We came home from Turkey camp last year and both Brady and I were just blown away. Just not even, not even by the, like the hunting, but just the caliber of caliber of people that we were around and the way our life was enriched because of who we had met. And, you know, just, I think the more, the more we have the, the attitude to help and serve one another, the better off we're going to be. And the happier we are as people when we, we help others. So, yeah. Back to my, my favorite word there, community. Mm-hmm. <laughs> big deal. Absolutely. Big, yeah. Big I mean, deal. we need, we need so, so much community in our life. There is a huge power behind that, not only in accountability, but just in general joy, you know, there's so much joy that is brought through sharing things with others. Yeah. So I appreciate the time greatly. Um, I, I can't say thank you enough for jumping on with me. Absolutely. Great story. Powerful message. If people are hearing that it that way, and I definitely have some takeaways from it. So anything that you wanted to touch on that we missed, um, any last words for the folks listening? I don't think so. I mean, Oh, it was so much fun to visit with you. And I, I just love, you know, connecting with people and sharing, you know, my story a little bit, but also just helping people to understand that anybody can do this. It's not just, I wasn't given some special opportunity. I'm a 34 year old mom, right? <laughs> Hunting with my family. There's not a whole lot that's special about that. No, there, no, else, no discount it. No discount it. That's huge. I mean, it's not special. It is. It's it special is. to me, right? Yeah, it is very I, I special. I would never. Yeah, but if you if you think about it in the grand scheme of things, it's pretty darn. It's a nor. It's not a normal thing, but it's not something that. It's something anybody can do. 
anybody can do it if they, if they truly want to. And that's what I hope more people will start to understand is if I can do it, they can too. Again, tell, Oh wait, no, I did have a question. I I have one more question for you. Okay. One piece of gear that you have to take in the field that drives Brady crazy. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh, my heated vest. Yes, he, I mean, it probably, I don't know that it necessarily drives him crazy. Um, he, he doesn't like my boots either, uh, because they're loud. Um, he thinks that I need new boots, but, um, probably my heated vest. Cause I'm always worried about if the battery's charged or if I got it on, cause I'm constantly freezing. Like when, the, Oh, you should have seen me. I look like a marshmallow when we were deer hunting this year because <laughs> I had my heated vest on. I had four layers on top of that. I took his size extra large down puffy jacket, shoved it underneath my waypoint coat. And I was still worried I was going to be cold. (laughs) So he gets real annoyed with that real quick. He's like, you're not even going to be able to move, Kristen. (laughs) Yeah, but you're like always hot. There's a little bit of a difference. So yeah, but he's learned quickly if I'm warm, I'm happy. And if I'm cold, I'm really not. And I'm not fun to be around if I'm cold. So he, he learned pretty quick to, he's like, you, Numa came out with a heated vest. He's like, you, you should probably order that. I'm like, you're right. I should. <laughs> That's awesome. Again, so, Kristen, I appreciate the time greatly. And uh, tell Brady, I'll be knocking on his door real quick here. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. You can catch up with Kristen on Instagram at Gathering Health or www.gatheringhealth.com. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. Hi, this is Weston Jenkins with Disabled Outdoorsman, the founder of an organization where we choose and let individuals come in the outdoors. We have many people across the nation that refuse to give up, and our brand is going to represent them, and now you can too. You can go to our website at www.disabledoutdoorsman.com, or you can find us on Instagram at DisabledOutdoorsmanUSA. We want you to be a part of the cause with us, and let's make a difference one day at a time.